yeah. Anyway, welcome to episode 45. Um, Montana Max still refuses to admit that he has lost the election. It's time for him to pack up his stuff and go. <laughs> and the Maniacs reboot coming soon. Yes, it is. Um, but isn't that who he is, like, in real life? Like, he's literally throwing a tantrum. My nigga, you lost, bro. You lost big time. You lost. <laughs> it's not even close. They found, like, 2,000 extra votes in Georgia. You still lost, bro. Like, right. you still... Listen, one good thing that has come out of this is that we now know officially that the United, well, hopefully, that the United States clearly does not have an actual international threat somewhere or intergalactic threat. Because if niggas was going to try to take over, now would be the fucking time. Between this pandemic and the fact that the sitting president is literally getting in the way of the incoming president's transition as opposed to doing what he's supposed to do, which is training his, well, not training his successor, but just like bringing them up to speed. Because, you know, yes, Joe Biden was, was vice president, but obviously he hasn't had the same security clearance these last four years as he had when he was vice president. And even as vice president, I'm sure there was some shit that he didn't have clearance to that Obama did. Like, you got to have these conversations. Um, 45's uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs just went to Europe and like is talking to people like it's about to be another Trump um, uh, administration. But like all the countries that he visited already congratulated Biden. Like, this is so weird, bro. Like, it's just so in- Yeah, and then my man's like just firing random people in national security positions. Everybody. I, I truly think that the pandemic is the only thing keeping us safe because niggas don't want to die trying to blow up the United States. It ain't worth it. Especially since we got all we got most of the world's COVID. <laughs> oh god that's so horrible i'm sorry i didn't mean to laugh at that because that's that's so horrible but the way you said it just like this morning when i heard the news they were like yeah every state is spiking and then they were like georgia is doing better than three states yeah there was well there was a point where georgia was the only green state and i'm like how the hell did that happen how um, oh because they're not reporting shit okay cool yeah probably yeah, because I'm like, okay, these numbers don't look right for all these people that are here. But but the one thing is, and I keep telling people, it's not people here in Atlanta that are out. It's y'all niggas who keep coming here. Y'all keep traveling here. Y'all keep flying here. I know them flights are cheap. Keep coming here to have parties. But y'all keep coming here to have a whole party for your city to go home. Have the party for your city in your city. In your city. In a park. Have a cookout. They're like Atlanta wide open. I'm like, yeah. Take we, advantage you know, of this global warming. Have a cookout in November. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah, man. We're going we're going to definitely um once we get you on Clubhouse, we're going to get the club and host our podcast. Um the the Podfather is doing very well with his uh his Who's that? <laughs> the Podfather. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, Mr. Button. Oh Lord! Uh, it's doing very well on Clubhouse with uh, Ariana Faust hosting uh, their podcast rooms. I saw a very interesting title. It said, "Y'all niggas still giving up your IP while giving up your IP." That wasn't the title. The second part I added myself. It was a room about giving up your IP, but the nigga was on a platform giving up his IP. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. So. 
what makes this whole president thing weirder for me is I've been binging the crown like all of America. Um, shouts to Prince Charles, who is the GSG of all. If what happens on this show is even close to reality, can you imagine getting engaged and then you leave in town for three months and you tell your new fiance that you're gonna have your your ex girlfriend slash the chick whose side dude you are hit her up to make sure that she's not bored while you're gone. Hey man, you know he's he's got a good mind. You know it's it's kind of you know it is what it is. But yeah, I had no idea that um, I had no idea that um, Prince Charles and Camilla had been together this whole time. But anyway, I digress. This is not why I brought that up. I now understand how much I appreciate, and that's why I think people are still kind of so um, enamored with the royals, is that we do at heart appreciate tradition and pomp and circumstance. Um, and I was listening to um, Bustle this morning, and it was an article today's uh, read that they chose was an article about what the transition process is like, you know, what moving day is like at the White House and how moving day at the White House is almost like when you're moving out of your dorm. Like, you know how they have like everything on a schedule and you got to be out by a certain time. And it's like maybe like the even floors come in or even last names or whatever. Like that's how the process is. And that, you know, the exiting family is technically supposed to have all their stuff packed up by the morning of January 20th so that they can come in and put in the new family, all of like their favorite products and start getting all, you know what I mean? Like start personalizing the house for them because like they literally move in at like two o'clock in the afternoon um, on the 20th. And like, you know, there's supposed to be a tea at, you know, before they do the actual inauguration, they're supposed to like the exiting family, the first family and the... Like, it's this whole thing that they're supposed to do. And this man is still sitting there like, nope, nope. Mm. I'm not moving. So I'm high key looking forward to what it's going to look like on January 20th when they have to go in that bitch to arrest that man and pull him out of the White House. Well, you know, that whole thing is spilling over into sports as well. Um, Reportedly, James Harden and both both James Harden and Russell Westbrook want out of Houston because their owner, Tillman Fertitta, is a Trump supporter. Oh, wow. So they're like, get us out of here. We're not going to play for you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And it's probably going to happen. So it's literally a revolt amongst the Rocket players. I guess somebody, uh, some some news outlet did an expose on money that um, the Rockets owner had funneled to the Trump campaign. And there was a lot of money and that upset the black players, obviously, who just gone through this bubble experience, you know, solidarity, a lot of conversations, like a lot of people didn't understand the bubble, right? But the bubble was about the players. And that right. was really the moment for them to coalesce and to really get their shit together and have conversations and even have tough conversations with, you know, their coaches and, and you know, their, their uh, ally um, uh, teammates, you know, uh, or people who didn't understand and really like get a common focus. And they came out of that with a vision for moving forward, you know, in, ath- in, in athletics and in the world. So, you know, they're not here for that shit, bro. They're not here for that owner. And this is the thing. There's somebody in the fact that I'm even agreeing with him and bringing him up for anybody who knows me and him and our history is hilarious. But the man in Atlanta named Pretty Ken. Pretty Ken used to be a rapper. Uh, Pretty Ken 
hosted a, t- a podcast at one point or a talk show, but he's like, I think he used to be part of the Attic Crew. So, you know, he came up with like the KPs and goody mobs of the world. And he's like an OG to like the TIs of the world, right? And he did this video that Tip actually um, reposted where he said that, you know, as a business owner, there are policies that, you know, the Trump administration put into effect that may have helped him as a business owner, as an, as an entrepreneur. But as a person, as a human being, as a father, as a Black man, like, there's just right and wrong. It really has nothing to do with politics at this, at this point. It really has very, very little to do with politics. It has to do with this, um, this, this, uh, atmosphere of divisiveness. It has to do with the fact that the FBI can tell you year on year since this man came into office, there has been an increase in hate crimes every fucking year. This Mm -hmm. is not like, we're not making this up. Like we're not imagining this. It's not, oh, people are just filming it more. No, this shit's happening more often. And so I I wonder things like, because again, I've been watching a show that's set in the 70s in England, Um, but I'm just trying to understand like what recourse do the American people have to hold the the Republican party to task? Because at this point, like it's bad enough y'all let this man run for office again, knowing good and damn well that he was not qualified. Like he got in there, he did a shit job. Y'all had the opportunity to actually nominate a different candidate, you didn't do it. Okay, cool. Now he has lost. And you are wasting taxpayer money. You're wasting time. You're putting the country at risk. Like, at what point does the Republican Party just be like, yo, shut this shit down, dog. Like, you lost. It's okay. It's done. It's a wrap. Like, at what point can the American people be like, y'all not going to get your mans? Like, get your mans, my nigga. Like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. I'm not from here. Hey, Georgia, we have another election in January uh, that gives us the opportunity to control the Senate. So, you know, if you're a Georgia resident, yeah, come here I'm just to vote. And fuck it. I'm st- I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who who's, I won't mention because I don't want to tell their business. But they basically, and I mean, it's, it's actually legal, but it was somebody uh, who works in Hollywood, a black woman. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, um, I'm going home. She said, I'm going to Georgia to, to register to vote. And they're like, oh, now I'm assuming she's in LA, but she owns property. She owns a house here in Atlanta. So she's like, yeah, no, no, I got a house in Georgia. I live there. So she's like, I'm going to make sure I go home and vote. Um, And it's funny because, you know, I feel the same way. Um, I go to the DMV on Thursday. I'm going to get my official Georgia uh, papers. And then I'm going to register to vote. Because my vote is going to be counted on this shit, bro. It's going to be counted, you know? So it's very important that people really understand how important this Senate race is. This is everything. Like this is the difference between um, getting things done, fixing things, I'll say, right? Because first we got to right the ship. Right. All the harm that's been done with this man's pen and, you know, people just sitting on their hands. So it's super important. And I hope that all the independents in the state understand that it's about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be honest, Biden and, 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 and Harris are not some far left, you know, we gonna just do whatever as Democrats. They're not. So, you know, I, I feel like a lot of independents just still resonate with them if they are not in the cult of Trump. But there are still 70 million people in the cult of Trump. That's and that's the thing, because somebody was like, how come he's not worried about his legacy? And I'm like, because 
he is forever going to claim that they stole the election from him. Yeah, oh, yeah that is going to be his legacy. He's never going to say, and again, it's just like on the crown. Like, remember how have you been watching it? No, I haven't. So basically, you know, it's it's the story of Queen Elizabeth. Um, from the time she becomes queen, or it starts, season one starts right before she becomes queen when she becomes engaged to Prince Philip. Um, and the thing about Elizabeth is that really um, how Elizabeth became queen is because her uncle, whose name I'm blanking on, I want to say it's Edward, but I may be wrong, her uncle abdicated his um, role as king because he fell in love with a, an American woman who was a divorcee. And he wouldn't give him the right to marry her legally. The Church of England would not give him the right to marry her because he's the head of the Church of England, which is really funny because the Church of England was founded because Henry VIII wanted to get married, wanted to get divorced. And right. as a Catholic, he couldn't do it. So he made up his own church. And in that he made church, his own church yeah. right. So then that church told somebody else, like, nah, nigga, you can't marry a divorced woman. So he abandoned his position as king. Um, uh, Elizabeth's father became king, and so on and so forth. Um, but for the rest of his life, her uncle, who gave up his position as king, still was kind of holding on to that. Like, I was the king of England. Like, I, you know, I should have been the king. Like, I was the king and then I wasn't the king. And it's so weird to not be the king. Whole rest of his life. Till he died. That's going to be Trump. Whole rest of his life. You know, I, I, I won a second term. Nigga, you didn't win the first term. Hmm. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to the popular vote in 2016. But y'all know. Anyway, at this point, we're just going to have to let this little, like at this point, it's just like something that black people are very familiar with. You're at the store or at the airport. I won't say on a plane because there's very little you can do on a plane, but you're at the store and you're just watching somebody let their kid have a tantrum. And it ain't your kid. And you can't really say nothing. All you could do is, you know, maybe tap your friend or spouse that's with you and point at this badass baby or look at your children and be like, if you ever in life imagine that you're doing this, you got something else coming. Anywho, on to uh, the matters at hand. Um... We were supposed to be having a drinking party tomorrow. Yes, we were. We were going to have a drink party. We were going to take a shot every time one Clifford Harris said a, or used an SAT word during a versus battle. Sadly, (laughs) as the title of uh, this episode says, the king has left the chat expeditiously. Yeah. We very quietly got word. When was it, Monday? Or over the weekend? It was over the weekend, right? Uh, I want to say over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, instead of a TI versus Jeezy battle, we were getting a Jeezy versus Gucci Mane battle. And I... A woman living in Atlanta who interviewed Gucci Mane literally the day he got out of jail for shooting Jeezy's homie. I'm quite frightened. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, we learned Saturday. Saturday night is when they dropped the news. Um, so that happened a, it happened a while ago. Um, 
The change happened a while ago? No, the the, the actual situation. Beef? Right. Um, okay. And that doesn't mean that there's not a rivalry. I just think that they're both at different places in their lives. Um, you sure? Because uh, this morning, Gucci Mane tweeted something alluding to the fact that he shot Jeezy's homeboy. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's WWE versus what it actually is. Let, let's be clear. Apple Music, Swiss Beats, and Timberland would not do this if there was going to be some fuckery going on. I mean, I, I know everybody wants something to happen because we all invested in the narrative one way or the other. But this is a professional corporation, and I don't feel like they're going to go into something that's going to be any more than two boxers having a weigh-in and barking at each other. You know, that's not to say that there might not be some bad blood, some shit talking or whatever, but it ain't going to go where folks think or want it to go. Okay. To be clear, I don't want it to go anywhere. I just, I literally am like, and then, of course, you know, there's an after party in Atlanta at Compound hosted by both of them, presented to you by none other than Alex Gidwan. Because who else? I mean, but see, look, look, they got the whole thing set up. You know what I'm saying? The bag is already uh, passed out, you know? So that so, was the story, right? Is that Jeezy originally, so originally Jeezy called Al Gucci and said that's who he wanted to do with, with, like he said it in an interview that when Swiss reached out to him, he said that was the only person that he was interested in doing it with. Um... And that um, that uh, Gucci came back and was like, they don't have enough money to make me do this. So presumably, yes, a check was cut. So somebody found the money, but you know, and just to just to speak on the tip part, um, that was a little ego ego thing, you know, um, a little egos, you know, happened between there, and then that was pretty much it. It just wasn't a, a, a good fit. I like this matchup better, just to be just to be honest. Saying that Ti Jeezy wasn't a good fit. Why is that? Well, Ti and Jeezy was a better fit musically, I believe. Okay. Um, because honestly, Snowman about the mop Jeezy. I mean, about the mop Gucci. Um, but you know, Gucci's the hood favorite, and we just like we like the 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 drama. We like the. It's like if you want to see Fifty Cent and Ja Rule. You know what I'm saying? Like we we want to see the matchup musically. I think Tip was a better matchup for Jeezy. They both had similar success. I'd say Tip probably had it sustained for a little bit longer. And, you know, obviously Tip is still relevant in the world of music and Jeezy just kind of getting back on his feet. But, you know, I think this is for the trap. I think this is a, a real actual, like, ATL trap battle. I just don't, I don't think that dynamic existed with T.I. Now, if that was Tion Luda, which is the one that I wanted to see, if we was on some Atlanta shit, that would have been a better one. Allow me to remind y'all how awkward and uncomfortable for everybody it was when we had a versus with two niggas that hate each other. Do y'all remember that? Most of y'all have blocked it out of your memory. <laughs> the dream went on there and allowed Sean Garrett to make all those weird ass fucking faces at us. And everybody was uncomfortable. And nobody liked it. And, 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 and Sean we, is still we like, haven't even talked about it again. Like, we've all acted like it never happened. No, 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 because Sean is now making everybody uncomfortable in Clubhouse. Oh, fine. 
have fun for everybody. Um, again, you know, if you're just tuning in, today's episode is yet another telethon of Get Tie. Somebody's used iPhone so she can finally use one of these 12 uh, clubhouse invites that she's gotten because it just seems like an insensible thing in the middle of the pandemic for me to go and buy a $600 phone just to use one app and I'm not switching. Um, so yeah. So this morning, Gucci got on uh, Twitter uh, and retweeted somebody's meme because Gucci really did have a song with a line in it that said, go dig your partner up, nigga, I bet he can't say shit. Um, so Gucci, like, recreated that meme. Uh, yeah, that's, what, that's the only part I don't like, but maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm soft. I don't pertain to be from the street. Y'all know that it, at all. Listen, I'm still playing gunshots of fireworks in my neighborhood four as, years later. As, as somebody from the street, you, you realize, like, street rules are for the street. Right. It's really about, it's like jail rules. People that go to jail, when you go to jail, it's a completely different environment. I don't care where you come from. When you get in jail, you conform to jail reality. When you get in the military, you conform to military reality. When you're in college, you conform to that reality. So uh, talking street shit when you're not in the street no more is, is street code is, is something that has to exist. But once you out of it, which both of these niggas are, and I, I mean, I don't care how many times they dip back in or go hang out or whatever. Right, like you're um, not in this anymore. Right, so, you know, it, it's just different. So clearly this is a financial decision. Both of these niggas got families and kids and all kinds of things they got to take care of and, and staff and all that stuff. But for the fans, you know, it looks good. So let's let's see what's going on. Um, I've seen people say that their wives have gassed them up to do this. I've also see, seen people say that if Gucci was, uh, I mean, if Jeezy was getting married to a black woman, that she would have talked him back from this. Oh, God. Like, you sure? Not even necessarily a black woman, somebody with the cultural context to understand and know where we're coming from. Because I don't think Jeannie Mai was paying attention to either of these niggas in 2005. Could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, it depends. You know, it, it, it goes either way with those folks. I mean, they either they either all the way in the culture or they on the other side. So I don't really know Jeannie. So meanwhile, Rick Ross has come back and suggested that he should do a versus against T.I. We don't want to um, again. Rick, you, you didn't beat 2 chains. See, and I feel like I've heard that's the one that I didn't watch because remember I thought it was happening at 10 p.m. Pacific time. That was, and I was like, this seems really, really late. And then I was wrong. Or 8 p.m. Pacific. Rick Ross, stop. Stop. Now, that would have been a Rick Ross and Gigi would have been a good one. They had they had a robbery their whole career. Um, I feel like the lack of energy in that battle between uh, 2 Chains and Rick Ross would have had to be on Rose's part. Like, I just really feel like that. It was. It, 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 but... So I've also I've also come to grips over the last week as I've been listening to so so help me God that um, Titty Boy may be my favorite rapper after Hove. And, and, and I'm not mad at that. Listen, Two Chains are very cerebral, um, relatable, funny hood. Like it, the combination of his character is just it's enjoyable. Right? Yes. I enjoy him very much. That battle was uncomfortable because Rick Ross was trying to prove that he was Rick Ross and 2 Chain was trying to prove that he all these accolades he got, he actually earned them. <laughs> because he has way more accolades than Rick Ross. Yes. So, I just and I, I think it I think it's funny because just like Luda, 
Two Chains is somebody who is wildly disrespected. And the fact that yes. there's people who still think that Rick Ross even participated in that battle with Two Chains. Because once again, Rick Ross had to play features. He had to, he had to go in his feature bag early and often. Mm-hmm. And I always oh, ask people, yeah. I said, please tell me why Rick Ross ain't got no platinum albums. That's not a mistake. So I guess now that we're into, this is officially the beginning. So tomorrow is officially the beginning of season two of Versus. And so I guess um, maybe now we're going to see some of the other people that we've seen before come back. I don't want to see that. You don't want to see any other people that we've seen come back? Tons of musicians out here. You would not want to see Beanie and Buju? No. Okay. Not again. I, I mean, there's so many artists out here. You know, give me like Sean Paul and somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like this, there's so many different artists and catalogs we can go through in all these genres. Like we don't. Have we're not to, ready. To, you're, you're you're saying we're not ready to go back again. Yeah, we don't. We don't have this. It's too many untapped people that that matter that have great catalogs for us to think about. And then Rick Ross will be the last nigga. Come on. <laughs> okay. So then, also, there have been a conversation of Tip going up against Little Wayne. I need to understand who the weed holders are in Wayne's camp. How in the year of our Lord and Jumanji 2020 does uh, Dwayne Carter catch a fucking weapons charge and potentially face 10 years in prison? Federal charge. Like, y'all niggas don't know that like he couldn't get caught with nothing else. Like Dwayne Carter, first of all, this is this is second time going to, about to go to jail for guns. Um, y'all remember in the, in the was it the early 2000s he went to jail? Um, yes, that's so, why he can't get caught with no more guns. So, um, because he's a felon, right? So, so ultimately, y'all got to realize that Wayne lives in his own reality. Like, niggas keep expecting Wayne to do shit that makes sense. Wayne has convinced himself <laughs> of all types of shit, and all them drugs that he do convinces him of the other shit. And, you know, he thinks that he's, you know, could, could do things that he can't. And that's just how some brothers live. You know, that's neither here nor there. I'm not condemning them. But you do the crime, you do the time. So last year in December, federal agents searched Wheezy's plane at the Miami Opalaka Executive Airport. Every time I say Opalaka, I want to say Wiggy, Wiggy, Wiggy. That's something that only South Florida people would know. Um <laughs> I'm gonna find the song to play for you. Anyway, wasn't that, was it, wasn't that around the same time that Juice World passed away? Yeah, it was right around the same time. Yeah, they I was doing, was right they, was doing the the plane, they was doing the plane sweeps out in LA. Um, so you know, they, they he landed in Miami, they searched his plane, they let him go because they had ascertained that um that you know the guns on the on the plane were not his or whatever. Um and then now they're coming back. They're like, nope, nope, nope. We're gonna put it on him. Um, maybe the DA in charge was. Uh, he got a good lawyer, you know? right? I'm sure he does. But my thing is, like, I just really want, like, I feel like there's certain shit when you're rich and famous enough that certain shit should even come like close to you potentially getting in trouble for it. I did not plan to wear my New Orleans hat today. I'm just making that. I'm I'm enjoying this loft behind you. I feel like I want to live there. I do too. Especially that nice little map of Africa right there. Let's right, right, there. right. Okay, so you just mentioned how like street rules are street rules. They for the streets. 
and, you know, so we call we call people who like are not of the streets you're a civilian you know what i'm saying and right now i'm a civilian and when you're in the streets you, you have the streets when you're not in the streets it's a completely different thing and that's right. why if you of the streets once you go back in the streets you revert because it's a survival thing you know what i'm saying when you're not right. street, you're a civilian things i will have to take somebody else's word for so interestingly <laughs> Because, look, I got that fresh, brand new green card. That shit came in the mail yesterday, boy. We're not going to jeopardize that. I'm, I'm At not, all. I'm not going to take you to my family crib and mess around, you know. I mean, I, technically, as long as I don't get arrested, I'm good for 10 more years. Well, they yeah, like, their, they like their arrest everybody uh, of this color in the house. So you know. This is why little Wayne's weapons should fly with somebody else. But back to yes, what I was going to say. Should. So my man, uh, Amir, the other day tweeted that apparently um, some Proud Boys in New York, uh, New York, in D.C. went and tore up a Black Lives Matter sign, obviously not the mural that's painted on the ground, um, and like put hands on some people. And his question was like, where were all the street dudes that are out there, you know, killing innocent children and da, da, da. I typically don't like those kinds of of arguments, right? But I do feel like it's a lot of people that love to jump up and say how shit ain't gangster and how they are gangsters and this, that, and the third. And then they direct that energy towards the wrong shit. Let me me give you two examples. Example number one, I'm going to just read the headline. Nipsey Hussle's Marathon Clothing Store Vandalized and Looted. What? Yeah, I saw that. How did y'all let that happen? How how is nobody just on patrol? How is anybody how does anybody feel that comfortable that they feel like they can go up in there and do that and not know that y'all was gonna find them and deal with them? All these street I'm, I'm gonna let you get through all of these and then I'll explain why. All these street dudes that you know been hashtag TMCing everything for a year and a half. All these dudes that are breaking out, all kinds of crip walks. Every time last time that I check comes on, um, how does how how are y'all not? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't understand how a group of people smashed all the windows, looted the store, and tagged graffiti on the walls and parking lot. Okay, then I read another headline where Meek Mill apparently was in North Philly on Sunday. And well, no, not in North Philly, but he was on Twitter and he said, I'll get all the main big artists in Philly a deal if they put them bodies behind them and squash them beefs. I hear about get some young bulls from my city, but they all beefing. And that's just an idea. But I'll push through with my city if y'all make it a thing. Uh, so he kept going. And then of course, we know that just in the last 10 days, three rappers have died. Right. Is it three? It was King Von. It was Mo, and I feel like there was somebody else who passed. And then two other people that got shot, one in Houston and one somewhere else, right? So again, I ask, where are the streets? When like, like I don't understand the, the, the imbalance. Like how do these rules work or not? All right, so let's take the NIP situation first. Um, nobody's watching the marathon store 24-7. Niggas gotta live. Um, the vandalization happened at a time when wasn't nobody there. Because 
clearly it wasn't somebody that was right there for the neighborhood. Um, also, just because Nip died and some people care about him don't mean everybody do. And it don't mean everybody like him. You know what I'm saying? So, or it don't even mean that it was personal. There's also niggas out there that are just scrambling and they saw it as an opportunity to eat. Street things don't have rules. That's the that's the thing about the streets. There are no rules. It's survival. So it's There's literally- no honor among thieves. No, it's literally making whatever decision you feel you got to make to come up to survive. And a lot of times that's dumb shit. So that's why a lot of things that happen in the street, they don't make sense because it's a scramble. It's literally throwing something into a lion's den and seeing who comes out. So, yeah, I know it's a lot of cats who put TMC flags. And first of all, ain't nothing to do street. Um, it, that's a lot of clown shit. That's fan shit also. It's, it's, it's people that's really out there that are from the set that are going to find out who did this <clears throat> and it's going, the street's going to handle it. And y'all might, y'all might just in general money. feel like, why would you even go and do that? Like, this just so stupid. Like if you're going to loot it and you need money, okay, fine. Go in there, get the, get the merch, well, try to get got, it off. You got, you got morals, you got a conscience, you got things to live for. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's people that don't have those things. And you know what? The person who did this is probably fucking on whatever app the children are on that I'm not on because I'm old, like bragging about it. I doubt it because that's a death sentence. That's a that's a straight up death sentence. Uh, let me tell you something. So years and years and years ago in Philly, we had a uh, DVD rapper. He got um, he got punched and, you know, he got knocked out on camera by this young dude that was a boxer. And everybody thought it was the funniest thing. I remember this. It was Joey Jahad. And everybody was like, oh my God, Joey Jahad got knocked out. Well, let me just say that the guy who knocked Joey Jahad out, um, he wasn't around much longer. So I say that to say that the world and people see things that happen in the street and they think it's funny, but the streets take, take care of what happened in the streets. So the streets don't care about the opinions of people on blogs and on Twitter, and they don't care about my opinion or your opinion because the streets handle what happens in the streets. That's the way the streets go. Again, things I don't intend on finding out on my own. And funny, the, the funny part about the Meek thing, you know, those young kids, just like these young kids in Chicago, man, they're not worried about Meek. They, they're from a different generation. And Meek is from a different, a slightly different generation than mine. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when Meek was coming up, if I'm out there doing whatever, I got to realize that if I talk to this young and crazy, he might, you know, it might become a wire situation. So look, the other day I'm sitting in the house um, and there were some kids outside of my house I couldn't tell exactly how old they were. And it was one of those situations where you know how black folks are and you can never really tell if our sounds are sounds of joy or sounds of distress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I couldn't really tell if the kids were playing or if they were actually fighting. But in the event that they were actually fighting, me being somebody who was definitely old enough to be their mama, my first instinct was to open the door and tell them to stop. And then immediately after I had that thought, it occurred to me that that could literally end my life. And I'm, we're clearly not going to come up with a solution to that today or in this conversation. It's really, it's obviously not on us. Obviously, I know that the children that are within your reach, you're doing everything in your power to make sure they're never going to be those types of people and vice versa. Um, but that's like, I get what you're saying about Meek and I get what you're saying about these kids, um, you know, living by a different set of rules. But it takes somebody like Meek saying what he said. It, it takes, it's going to take a whole bunch of niggas like Meek who are who understand the streets 
and who are willing to go in there and try to figure out a way to get these kids to see something different because absolutely absolutely. somebody says you know if three basketball players died in the same week of gun violence somebody would be up in arms basketball players football players whatever and we're still talking about young black men but three rappers died in the same week and niggas didn't even flinch well what people got to realize is no matter what happens their life circumstances are not getting better and ultimately that's what it's about it's some shit that happens in the streets. <laughs> that shit don't happen nowhere else. It wouldn't happen under no other circumstances. The shit is crazy. It's things that other people wouldn't even consider. But it's it's literally about a survival in a culture that is the lowest of the low. And unless you're changing these kids' circumstances, they're not trying to hear that shit. And ultimately, you're right. It is going to take somebody like me. Um, but you need to offer to change circumstances. But 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 here's the thing, right? Me can offer, but you got thirty different rappers from the city who are focused on hating each other, right? right. Me, they don't, they don't give a damn about what Meek say. They right. worry about what's immediately around them. Meek would have to go sit down with each person, have a conversation with them one on one. You know, make that person feel like there was actual hope and uh, uh, something on the other side for them and they folks. It can't be no. I'm I'm saying this out loud, and you put in a public forum, you making them look bad in the streets. The only thing you have is your respect. Like, literally, that's one of the only things you have. So if the young boy saw him looking like that, he took it as like, oh, this old head trying to stun him. And, that and, now, and now Meek Mill is banned from North Philly. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, if I was Meek, you know, I mean, Meek, Meek is from, he's from North, he's from Philly. He's an actual person with actual friends and, and people out there. But once again, you, you know, some of us, we out the streets. Like, I was in Philly. I was in the hood. I'm walking around. I'm, I'm cool out there, but I'm not going pull up on the corner and be like, yo, you know, just hang out here for well, I would, you know, it's because I, I got to respect the, the shooters that's out there right now. It ain't my time. You know what I'm saying? So unless I'm going to fully invest in getting back out there right. um, and, and dealing with that, I, I just had a homie who, you know, same age, we grew up together. He out there arguing with a youngin, got lit up. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happens. When you go back to the block, you start talking crazy to these kids. They don't care. They don't care. So unless you got something to offer, mind your damn business. And see, and that's, and even when you say that's something to offer, you know, King Von died two weeks after his debut album came out. Um, I was listening to, and I want to shout out, I feel like I'm going to shout them out every week. I can't say enough about how how dope this podcast is, but um, Rodney and uh, Sydney at NPR, their podcast, Louder Louder Than Riot, last week's episode was the first in a series about Bobby Schmurder. And they were talking to Shaw Money about how Shaw Money tried to get Bobby Schmurder out of his element and out to LA to do music because they understood that he's used to being around a certain group of people and that certain group of people, you can't really shift everybody's mindset. And this, plus, like, you know, just the more, the more, like in French, they say the more, the more crazy people are around, the more fun we have, right? right? So, like, it's obviously it's easier for shit to be out of control when there's more people around. And he said that when he got out to LA, that he wasn't getting the same kind of music and the same kind of energy out of Bobby. Like it no. doesn't work for some people. You can't bring them out. Um, I think Nas has spoken about that before, how he didn't leave the hood until like maybe his third album or whatever. So. Yeah. One, so the energy is different. I mean, and that's the hard part. Like for me as a fan of Meek all these years, the one thing I wanted was for me to get out the hood. 
but the hood is what made me who he is. But I also knew all the dumb shit that was going to come with him and every other artist, um, the whole country and the world over who's still living in those situations, right? Um, you want to stay authentic. You want to keep it real with your homies. Those are the people you're trying to save. So even when you, you know, you get up, you feel like you got to turn around and, 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 you know, lend a hand and help people get out. What does that do? That breeds jealousy, breeds contempt. You know, a bunch of things come out of that because once again, these are people with a hood mentality. So they see you out. They think they got to take you out to get your spot. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's a whole bunch of things that come with it. And I Ooh. always tell my youngins like, yo, if you're going to get out, we've all tried to get people out the hood. You know what I'm saying? Family members, et cetera. It's a mentality. It's what, it's what drives them. It's what they know. So especially for artists who are being creative, once you take them out those situations, it's tough. I've seen hood niggas in LA walking around in Hollywood and all that. They look, they still who they are. You know, right. literally oh, yeah. when, I start, when I started rapping, you know, it would be like, I, I would have to go down to South Street, right? South Street was, you know, that's hipster part of town. That's the, the cultural hub in Philly, you know, where everybody's out there, you know, just on some, on some, some vibey shit, right? Fun fact, half of my crystal collection came from South Street. Continue. There you go. That's the type of vibe <laughs> you get out there. But ultimately I knew who I could take with me to the show. Right. I, I knew I wouldn't even put, and it's not even about that. It's about, I wouldn't even put them in that position. I wouldn't even put them in a room with civilians. Right. Because I know how they react. I know what they've been through. I know the PTSD. Right. That makes a lot of sense. If a nigga would have looked at them wrong, if 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 somebody, you know what I mean? Like it could have got ugly. Somebody, somebody girl would have got stolen. Like all this kind of stuff would have just been, I'd have put them in a bad situation. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I left them where they were. I love those people. I respect them. That's my family. But and they know, yo, you good, sis. Go do what you got to do. We support you from here. Because right. they know that's not the element. You know what I'm saying? So when you get somebody out the hood element, it's a lot to it. Sometimes you got to get their family out. You got to get their friends out. You got to get every, like it's a, it's an undertaking. You know, you go to pull it up. You think it's just going to be a structure, but it's a root with that structure. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got to pull the yeah. whole root up too. And like you said, it's, it's the mentality. It's the same thing with, you know, people who win the lottery and how they show you so many times that people who win the lottery end up in a worse situation than they were in before because typically the people playing, paying the lottery are people who are not great with money. Right. And they don't have you know what I mean, like they're not they're not financially comfortable people saying like every once in a while you have a few people who are like that. Like my dad loved him some damn scratch offs and I buy scratch offs in memory of my father. Yeah. But, you know, like a lot of times and, you know, they'll even tell you and I don't know if this is true or not, but there are statistics that will show you that like the winning tickets end up being in certain neighborhoods because the people ain't leaving the neighborhood. It's not like they're going to win that money uh -huh. and then go somewhere. Uh -uh. Um, all right. Uh, as we continue on today's telethon, the Chopping Block podcast, episode 45, a.k.a. Tip has left the chat, a.k.a. So Icy Entertainment. AKA why is 45 still here? AKA wrap it up beat. AKA get tired iPhone, but a used one because she's not giving up her Android. Um, so Cardi B released or announced her partnership with um with Reebok. And I'm not sure how these kinds of cultural faux pas continue to happen. <laughs> Because I feel like they've happened enough. Even now, I will, you know, I remember, um, what's her face? Uh, what's that girl name that was signed to Grand Hustle that I don't like? That was signed to Grand Hustle. 
Uh, white girl. Tokyo I don't Tokyo. want to call her. The, oh, I didn't want to call her the white girl. Iggy. Oh, she, she, done, she done on the block with a Playboy card. That's how they broke up. Did they? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the thing. That was one of those headlines that I saw and I was like, well, I'm not clicking on this because... <laughs> um, but anyway, um, one of Iggy's early videos, she was complete... It was a whole Bollywood thing. It was a whole, like, the tattoo the henna tattoos and the head covering and it was very and I looked at it the whole time I saw that video and I saw it like two or three years late and I was looking at it like this the whole time like y'all let this rock but they did uh so anyway uh Cardi B did a cover of Footwear News and they had her on the cover as the Hindu goddess Durga um and apparently, in addition to the fact that, you know, it is disrespectful from a religious standpoint, it apparently is also dumb as hell because you're using a goddess um, for footwear news to announce the launch of a new shoe collection and you're not allowed to wear shoes in a temple. So you wouldn't be around that goddess with some shoes anyway. Things that we wouldn't have known. I don't need to know all those details to know that somebody should have looked at that ad co- that cover and been like, or the concept before it even got shot and been like, mm, but I'm not Hindu. Um yeah, okay. I got I got uh like I personally I it's one of those things that I don't get but I respect because I walk around and watch people walk around I I have watched people, especially in hip hop, walk around with um, rosary beads on for like two decades. And as a Catholic person, I've looked at it and been like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let this one pass me by." Um, the one thing that I will say, and I think this is the biggest thing, is it's a photoshopped image of like her arms doing different poses, and it's weird. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like everything's an outrage these days and I'm not lessening like folks who whose religion this is. Um, but no, look, like, but when you look at it, that's the first thing that will pop in your head, I think. I mean, are they pissed off at Street Fighter? I mean, I'm just wondering, like, I mean. Is there a I, new Street Fighter? No, nah, I mean, I just the old one with the guy with the other. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that it's one of those things. That's why I said, like, it's one of those things that I, I don't get it, but I respect it because, uh, like, it's one of those things where we grew up playing cowboys and Indians. We grew up where it was okay for all of us to dress as whatever for Halloween. We grew up at a time where, like, you know, now you got to sit here and wonder, like somebody said, like, so if you're not a, a Pacific Islander, can your daughter not dress up as Mo- yeah, Moana so for I, I Halloween? The, I think that the problem with it for me is I don't think pretending to be something is disrespectful. Um, I think making fun of something is disrespectful. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I think that there's definitely a line where somebody will be disrespecting a culture. Um, but like, I've, I know DC people who wear, uh, they wear uh, kufis just for fashion. And I've never right. seen a Muslim person go try to fight them. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God, you went like, if, if niggas wear capris, I don't see, you know, people going, well, yo, why are you doing that? Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I just know that we're in 2020 and I just, I, I, I wonder if older Hindu folks feel the same way. I know we, we do live in outrage culture. Um, we do. Um, 
but I do also think that and I and I do agree with you that people should at some point you should be able to make an exception for art but that is I, not why, that why, is why, not why, disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. Like not like we're not talking about what's going on in France. How you know all these different newspapers in France keep doing these 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 um, satirical cartoons that are right. yeah, making fun right. of the Prophet Muhammad and right. then having the French uh, French president, I think it was, like double down on like, oh, we believe in the freedom of speech. No, that's not the same thing. Not right. Um, yeah. I do think, though, that it would be a different conversation if uh, it says... Oh, well, no, they did explain it. In the dress that she was wearing, she pays homage to Durga, the Hindu goddess, whose symbols of protection and inner strength resonate as much in modern times as they have throughout the centuries. Like Durga, Cardi B is a dominant female voice as, at a critical time. They broke it down and told you why they why they chose to do that. Right. And so, and it's weird because I'm I'm telling you, like, if I and I'm gonna ask, because I, yeah, I want to be clear, I'm gonna go ask my friends who are Hindu. I'm going to ask them how they feel about this. And I guarantee you that the older folks don't care. I, I feel like a bunch of younger folks don't care. But I'm, because I'm it's the same you. thing with it's the same thing with when Adele was um was uh you know stepping on the block. When when Adele was on the road with her with her Jamaican flag top and Jamaican people didn't give a fuck. But the reason why is because there's culture there's real cultural ties with Jamaica and England and niggas who speak on that, especially in America, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Y'all not cultured enough to speak on these things. And that shit bothers me as a- I don't, as a, even, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it's fair to say that they're not cultured enough. No, I no, 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 that, no, 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 no. I think gonna, that I'm, I'm the, tell you, they're not I think that race enough. and culture dynamics in the United States uh, are different than they are almost everywhere else. So, so you just said the why. I said, I said what it was. So- I agree with you, but you're saying the why. I'm just telling you, they're not cultured. Black Americans don't give a shit about that on the whole because it's not the dynamic. And that's why- I just want to be clear that the immigrant didn't say that. Because only coming from me. But that's, <laughs> but that's why there's so much friction. That's why there's so much friction between Black Americans and this whole ADOS and whatever the fuck Tariq Nasheed is pretending to be this week. Wow. And, and um, people from the diaspora, from Africa, from, you know, like niggas who don't know that Puerto Ricans can be black or that Dominicans could be black as shit or Cubans or what or any because because your, your country is not a skin color. Right. <laughs> that you could be Italian and black or any other race. You know what I'm saying? Like because right. Americans, we're not taught. We're not taught. I include myself. But, you know, just I'm half immigrant. So but we're traditionally not taught about the diaspora and the different cultures in a way that people understand that these are all black folks, you know? Right. And then the way that we marginalize Africa to like this little, we, we say it like it's a damn city. Like, are you from Africa? <laughs> like my nigga, that's a continent. The that's city. Like, it, it is, it's, you know, so that's when I, when I say we're not cultured on these things, first of all, they don't teach us. We're not taught in schools properly or at, at, a, at an even rate throughout the country. We're not taught. So that's why we're not cultured. It's not necessarily, I'm not blaming folks, but it's just the way it is. It's literally just the way the dynamic is set up for Black Americans. And it's changing because we have more immigrants who are not first generation, the second generation, the third generation. We're growing up with them and they're educating their friends and stuff on what it's like to be homies with somebody from Cameroon 
or, you know, somebody from Haiti or somebody from Jamaica or somebody from Ecuador or, you know, wherever. Like, so. Did I, did I miss my opportunity to be mad at Khaled and them when, um, when they had, listen, so for whatever reason, Bugatti, I've heard Bugatti, I know why. Two Chains album, which we're going to talk about in a second. There's a song on there called Tony. Tony is my new favorite song. I'm listening to that song every morning for the rest of 2020, probably for a good part of 2021. Um, so I've been making stations off of that song, which of course is going to bring you like old Two Chains, which is then going to bring you da, 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 da. So Bugatti is one of the songs that came up like every time that I've made a station off of Tony. And every time I hear Two Chains come in, talk. I mean Two Chains Future come in, talking about I can look at these with Haitian. I smoke on that good Jamaican. And then he's like, I have women from different races. I have to remind myself and say, oh, he was just trying to find a way to tie it all together. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't feel no type of way to Don't feel any type but, 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 you know, just, just to tie this all up with a bow, um, Cardi's folks should know her stature and know that people are going to come for her. Right. People are going to come for Cardi. It's going to happen. So ultimately... Right. You know, that's a thing, too. I try to look at things from every side. Um, we got to make better decisions because we know what year we live in. That's what I meant. Yeah, that, that's what I meant when I was like, I don't know why stuff like this keeps happening. I don't particularly think that it was disrespectful. Um, you know, even in her apology, she said they told her that she was going to be dressed as a, a goddess that represents strength, femininity, and liberation. And right. that's something that makes sense for Cardi. Because like, I think that was a good opportunity to educate people about who Durga was because... Most of us, one, didn't necessarily know the name of the goddess with the many arms. And two, I don't even know if it's only one goddess that's represented with multiple arms or whatever. But I don't know what the symbolism is. And I think it's a good opportunity to teach people things. But no, absolutely. And and the one thing is when you look at that picture, you realize that she didn't really know what was going on. Really didn't. You can tell because she's not actually dressed, dressed. She's dressed in a regular dress. And then they told her to do different things with her hands. And then they focus mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Um, Megan Thee Stallion is dropping a new a new album called Good News. Um, it's her debut album. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But it's her debut album. Uh, it features Beyonce, SZA, Popcon, City Girls. The track list is out. Seventeen tracks. Young Thug's on here. The Savage Remix is on there. Uh, she got a song with song with Big Sean and Two Chains on there. Um, who else? Dirk and the baby. That's it. So it's like six, seven features out of the 17 tracks. Um, and Meg has been on a hell of a press run. She's on the cover of uh, GQ for their Gentleman of the Year um, issue. And she's the rapper of the year for GQ this year. Um, I absolutely love that in that actual shoot, she is credited. Megan herself is credited as the... Um, the makeup artist because you know she also had this deal with Maybelline and she's been doing tutorials on YouTube and showing people that she's actually the one that does her own makeup. Uh, so she's been all over the place uh, getting ready for this project which you can now pre-save. That's how I found out it was coming out because I've been off of the internet for a while or off of social media. Um, yeah, I did, I did pre-save that. I pre-saved it as well but I don't even know when it drops. We'll yeah, get to that in a second. So this will this will be the first official official album. I thought that was the last album. No, the last album was the EP. Okay. 
Y'all get on my nerves. Yeah, too. That's a new face because new face tweeted something about that earlier today. He was like, I don't understand how you like a lot of people did that. Yo. You got <laughs> Grammys, you got all types of awards, platinum flags, but it's your, it's your debut album. That's exactly how Thug did. A lot of people do that. You be like, it's wait, your, wait, this your first album? Nigga, I've been talking about you for fifteen years. Okay, <laughs> we played you at my daughter's christening. She's now in high school. Um, but anyway. So the Breakfast Club is calling Meg out because Meg in her interview with GQ, which came out November 17th, talked about the incident with Tory Lane and went into details. Um, And apparently she was supposed to be on the Breakfast Club and they were given a list of allowed topics, which publicists will do with an artist of a certain magnitude, especially mm-hmm. when there's a particular scandal that's been in the news a lot. They will give you a list of topics that they will or will not talk about. And apparently uh, they told her, they told um, Breakfast Club just basically not to bring up Tory Lane. Um, Charlemagne said that it's crazy because when she does white publications, she's able to talk and talk about everything that she wants to talk about. But when she goes to the black press and black publications, there's a list that the label sent out that says, don't ask her about this, don't ask her about that. But we the ones who support her and hold her down and play her music. First of all, hey guys, Meg don't belong to black people no more. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, yeah, you're right, she don't. Um, and Char- it's Charlemagne, so who cares? People care. About Charlemagne, they shouldn't. They do, but I mean, here's the thing. I don't think it's so much to do with them being black as it is with a particular outlet, as it is with the ability to review the article before the article goes to press versus a live audio interview that we can't stop once it's happening. Um, I know that, like, having worked in PR, that certain publications will only agree to do certain things if they have an exclusive. And in the year of our Lord and Jumanji 2020, like that exclusive means a lot because the minute that shit drops, it's going to be everywhere. So don't call her out. It'd be different if she doesn't go to y'all's platforms at all. It'd be different if she's not stopping and talking to different people or whatever, which we've seen people do. Like, yeah, if GQ wants an exclusive over Breakfast Club, we're going to give it to GQ. What you mean? What you mean? How is she supposed to handle that? You tapped out at Charlie. Yeah, my bad. I just found out somebody passed away. This was really weird. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. It was actually, I mean, it, it, it was some. she actually passed away a couple months ago, but I just saw um, my homie Jack, uh, you know, I, you know, 210 Jack? Who? You know, 210 Jack? Oh my God, yes. I haven't talked to 210 Jack in forever, but yeah, it's not Jack. You know, all Haitians in Miami know each other. But it, was, uh, it was DJ Amanda Blaze. I did not know she passed. Oh, yeah, you did. We talked about it. Did we? I guess I, I, like I, we did. I think it, no, we, we didn't because I, I definitely, like, I know her from New York and that definitely would have hit me a little bit. I feel like we even talked about it on the show. I think it's just, it's COVID and everything gets lost in the sauce. But I feel feel like we definitely talked about it. Because I just saw him with a, and I'm just like, wait, what? Okay, I can't. No, 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 no. Um, Because somebody else passed from down there. I know that was um, uh, um, Demetra. 
I don't know Demetra. I remember we talked about that too, though. So Demetra. Now I gotta go. Now I gotta go find Two Ten Jack. Demetra was on. Um, Demetra was on Bad Girls Club, actually. Uh, Mimi. Right. I remember us talking about that. Yeah, she she's Haitian too. Um, um, yeah, all right. So last week ended up being a pretty heavy dropout uh week. It was, yeah. Out of nowhere. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of action going on. In case you're um, just tuning in, this is the uh the telethon episode of the, the Chopping Block podcast, where we are doing our best to find a used, no longer in use iPhone to give to a poor Haitian child. Hit me, I'm poor Haitian child, and I'm not being um stingy and it's not even a matter of being broke but i literally just want an iphone so i can get on clubhouse i will not do anything else with it i will it's not even going to be connected to an account it won't have a number i might make up a burner number like maybe my google phone will be on there but it'll only be connected to the wi-fi at the house so you know if there's an iphone sitting around your house even if the screen is a little cracked if it works and you don't need it how about your girl um so yeah last week two chains dropped yeah, two chains dropped. Um, Black youngster uh, dropped his "Fuck Everybody," which features. Yeah, how you jump from two chains to Black Youngster? Okay, I'm sorry. Well, you know, he he dropped the. Uh, oh, uh, well, are we going in depth on two chains? I wasn't sure if he was. Going no, no, no. We're not necessarily. Going. We are, but I'm just saying, like in the order, the hierarchy of shit that dropped for me would have been like two chains. I'm just going in alphabetical order, sis. That's all. Uh, Pluto, no. You know, two is two. Davido. It's two. And then Black a. It's two. Okay. It's A. Then it's B. <laughs> okay, my bad, my bad. Then Davido's after all that. And Pluto's way down there. Okay. I was actually, I was actually going to shout out Danny Lee, who uh, scored, I think, her first number one R and B something or other with movie, uh, which I still have to listen to. I, I fully think it's a decent project that. The people that she worked with on it um, looked pretty good. I was actually heavily intrigued um, because of the folks that she uh, worked with. And of course, when you say that and you click the button, it doesn't work to pull them up. So let's just keep going. Um, that's another one that I forgot that I wanted to listen to. So let's, okay, let's go back to Chance. I want you to know that like, as I was listening to this album, I felt like there was maybe one beat on there that I didn't love. And even the one that I didn't love, I also didn't hate. Right. Um, so kudos to all the producers on this project. It's of course it's called uh, So Help Me God. It is 15 tracks. Um, Two Chains also tweeted out a photo where he literally just put the track numbers and the names of the producers not even like the names of the songs. Uh, so Lil Jude, Jay the Great, Mike Will Made It, P Nasty, 30 Rock, um, Pizzle, Jay Black, Mike Dean, Boy Wonder Needles, uh, Q Beats, Young Land, Mondo Chief, Keith, TM88, Street Runner, Cool and Dre, Big Papito, and Mike Dean, David Banner, and them joints. David, David Banner. That David Banner joint was, um, really good as well uh my favorite track like i said is tony which is track number 10 and it was produced by tm88 um features on here it's um it's not very heavy on features but it's a lot of good features uh nba young boys on there wayne is on there ty dalsan is on there and Lil duval uh yo 
forgot about this. Like, that's how long of a week it's been. Kanye West. Kanye Omari West. Mm-hmm. Why does Kanye want for there to be an issue with him and his, and his brother so bad? Why does he want to keep telling us about it? Because he wants to get his attention. He don't have his number. Listen, Hope don't want to talk to him. And this is why. At which point? Oh, no, good. For and, y'all who don't know, it's a line on this song where Kanye West said, I'm still throwing up the rock sign. I bet they feel away. And Two Chains like, Oh, you still rapping the rock? And he's like, Yeah, me and uh me and Dame in the studio doing da-da-da, me and Biggs in the studio doing da-da-da. I bet they feel away. Bam. Please leave it alone. Let's just stop. It's weird, if, man. It's if weird. you want to rec- if you want to reconcile with your brother, there's a better way for you to do it. But listen, sometimes you gotta realize that man, that man ain't fucking with you, dog. It's cool. Move on. That chapter in your life was great, but move on. Move on. You can miss friends. Like I've had friends. We've all had friends that we were really, really tight with at one point, and then we were just not. But you know, the the one thing is, a lot of folks say, "Well, Kanye is cool with me." But, you know, his, like, you know, his, his thoughts and policies, like, I don't really worry about him. I let him think whatever. Everybody ain't like that, my G. Some niggas stand on what they stand on. Mm. And when you make your choice, then they just stand on the other side. Kanye's that guy who wants everybody to, to be like, yeah, but you cool still. And, right. and even he, wants, as, he wants people to accept him as, the, as his weird eclectic friend. Even as a listener... I give Kanye some rope, but it's certain things that he's done. I can't fuck with. Right. I just can't fuck with it. And remember and, and we were I, supposed to have that conversation. Well, the the other thing is Jay don't need Kanye the way a lot of the other people who let Kanye slide need Kanye. And he don't like that. See, you you can't buy Jay loyalty. And I'm not saying he buying niggas loyalty, but if you helping to feed niggas, they look at you a little bit differently. The weirdest shit about it all is that Kanye doesn't need Jay either. You have gotten to a point but he needs, where he, he needs you have your own gravitational pull, you are your own solar system, go over there. You drop, like you had a whole label full of dope ass motherfuckers. You got a whole family. Like I'm sure that, you know, the same way that Jay-Z was doing squats on the beach with, with Kelly Rowland's husband, I'm sure that you could be playing ball with Tristan Thompson. Like go over there, like leave it alone. Stop doing this shit. Like it's so weird and uncomfortable. And I, and I got to wonder, like, I mean, I guess two chains must've heard it. Yeah, uh-huh. and let it rock. I don't know. I don't understand the things that rich people do. Um, mulatto, mulatto continues to impress. And I yep. fucking love her. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but Tony is my joint. Southside Hove. I keep hearing people talk about Southside Hove, uh, which Street Runner produced. Shouts to Street Runner. Um, and the fact that I guess Two Chains is talking about how he's never gotten a Jay Z verse, and I guess that's never happening now. Um, I feel like the song didn't stick out to me. Did it stick out to you? Um, I mean, it wasn't like the greatest song that I heard at the time I heard it because I've only listened to the album three times. But you know, um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a lot these days. Um, you know, it, it's one of it's one of the tracks I like. I don't care for the Kanye track, you know. Um, and I guess I'm over Moneymaker. Uh, the rest of it, I'm good with. As far as yeah, I'm over Moneymaker, also, I, I, I honestly like I've played Tony like sixteen hundred thousand times. I may not have even made it past that, and that may be why I don't remember Southside Ho because it's track eleven and Tony's track ten. But overall, I think I mean you know like Titty Boy's apparently my favorite rapper, and very rarely does he disappoint me. Chest to chest to Titty Boy. Um, tell me about this. Pluto X Baby Pluto project that they just released a deluxe version of. So now it went from 16 <laughs> to 24. You know how uh, Baby Pluto do, man. He be having the deluxe albums on deck. Um, if you've it ever sounds heard, like what you thought it was going to sound like. If you ever heard a collaboration between Future and um, and Uzi, then you know what this sounds like. And that's that's a variation. I mean, musically, like it's not like every track sounds the same, but you just kind of know what these two bring to the table. I right. love the album, it, you know, personally. Like I listen to this shit all day. Um, maybe not listening and thinking about it, but it's fun. You know what I'm saying? It's fun. It's a fun collection of bops. Um, and that's what I both these guys give you. Bops. You got you got your melodies, you got your ratchet shit, you got your funny shit. I mean, these guys complement each other very well, very well. I enjoy the, their pairing. So yeah, if if uh, I, I heard a lot of I heard a lot of people, you know, um, give it give it some high praise. You know, I don't, I don't think you necessarily had to be a a stand of either one, but I just think it's good music. I it was on my list because I knew that we were going to talk about it, and I just somehow never got around to it. Um, so I got to go back and listen to it. Uh, Uzi did say, though, that after this, he's dropping two more albums and then he's out. Out of where? Around. <laughs> like, he's done. Okay. I mean, that's cool. I, wherever I you find love place, to man. see Little Uzi Vert and Lil Nas X kill the game on a music tip for five years, five, ten years, and then, like, for real leave and go do amazing things in a different space and then maybe come back. I would love to see that. Huh? Hey, we we got to make sure, just remember, remind me, we got to make sure we talk about Lil Nas X's single. Okay. Well, let's talk about Lil Nas X's single called Holiday. Holiday is a fucking bop. I haven't heard it yet. I don't, I don't and, know how. You know, when my homies from the hood, from, from back home, call me, or if we playing Call of Duty or whatever, and they go, yo, you heard that Lil Nas X? Now, now mind you, right? Is it going to replace 69 Boys, What You Want for Christmas, or Christmas in Harlem as my favorite Christmas song? <laughs> no. It's okay. Not. But is it going to be like a close number three? I, it's not really. For me, it didn't. Okay. It's it as much a Christmas song as Play as Ball. Right. It doesn't. Okay. Gotcha. So I guess if you watch the video and stuff, I just like the song. Okay. I just like the song. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dope song. This this kid can make hit songs. Old Town Road was not a fluke. The kid can make hit songs. His talent is undeniable at this point. And I got a street dude telling me, he's like, yo, says, you know, five years ago, dog, I probably would have hated on this shit. You know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have got it. But this this dude crazy. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, and we, Love to see know, we throw a couple shots at Davies who keep fucking with Lil Nas X. Let that man be. Um, because he can do something you can't do, Davies. Make a hit <laughs> and then do it again, right? And again, unassisted. And again. So, yeah, you know, Lil Nas X could retire and he'll have made more money in his career than Davies if he raps for the next uh five mm-hmm. lifetimes. So, yeah, leave, leave that man alone. Oh, says. But yeah, I um uh, I've been hearing about it all week. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, I had a rough week, so it's it's uh, enjoyable. Get past Tony. Um, I did listen to Davido. Um, I'm trying to think of what set out because I was listening to it while I was doing other things. So I got to go back and listen to it again and see what really really stands out. I, just, I feel I just like the drum with little baby stood out for me. Yeah, I like that one, definitely. The joint with Tia Savage uh, stood out. I feel like the Chris Brown and Young Thug also caught my attention, but we heard that one before. That was a single that he dropped before the project. Right? So the project is called A Better Time. Um, there's a song on there called Shopping Spree with him, Chris Brown, and Young Thug that I feel like we heard before. Um, I'm not sure if I heard it before, um, but it was pretty dope. Um I like Femme also. Uh, it's a couple joints on here, man. Holy Ground. Actually, the joint with Nikki was pretty good. Like, Nikki... I like the joint with Nikki, yes. Yeah, I mean, this is a... It's an easy listen and a solid project. I like Birthday Cake. Nas didn't sound out of place. Um, you know, sometimes he does. I love I Got a Friend. I love... I'm so... That's, yeah, that one. And see, I want y'all to check for Mayor Kun, too. Like, I want y'all to know that, like... David, like the bigger, the bigger. Um, but see, I'm in love. The with bigger Show. Afrobeats artist. I'm, I'm in all love of with them. Because huh? I'm in love with Shoma Josie, and and also because she's from South Africa, and she's not an Afrobeats artist. She's just an African artist who makes her style of music. I absolutely love her. Um, but the guy Mayor Kun who's on here, he's also on another art. I think it, it might be a group. They're signed to Davido, um, and he's you know like collaborated with them on a few different things as well. Um, Davido streamed a ridiculous amount in um in his first week and i knew this because i saw um the homie djz tweet that uh audio mac contributed to like one third of um of the streams for this project so his last album was called a good time this one is called a better time um let me try to see if I can find the numbers, first day numbers. Yeah, it it, it definitely went kind of crazy. Um, definitely, but I mean that's what that's what Afri- that's what African artists do. Like if you've ever pulled up, like you really want to like feel away about the first day numbers. Like these guys be dropping singles, and by the time we wake up in America, they be at three million streams. But also, I got to give a shout out to Af- I mean to. Um, the platform audio mac because um audio mac has really invested in the continent and allowing people to listen to music without having to use a lot of data and that data is still a really big issue in africa um mm-hmm. the the fact that folks still have limits on how much data they have and they have right. you know uh, we you know still using like cards and I only have this much data for the day. Yeah, a lot of people still do prepaid prepaid phone service. Right. So yeah, it, it's so they've they've optimized um their streams to take up as little data data as possible. So the, the number one way um 
the people to listen to music on the continent is WhatsApp, actually. And then Audio Mac is running a close second. So even though you got the bigger streaming platforms like Boomplay, which is a Chinese-owned company, and then I think there's one more, um, a lot of people can't even afford the data of using those apps. So in three days, the project was streamed 100 million times across all DSPs. Um, It's been less than five days, and he's at 48 million streams, or he surpassed 48 million streams on Audio Mac alone. So I think that this is going to be a really big conversation, like you said, because I didn't know that about the the data side of it. Um, and I think that that's going to, but I guess it makes a lot of sense because I have noticed that Audio Mac does do a lot of, um, or maybe it just shows up that way on my feed because it's me and because of what I listen to, but they do do a lot of prioritizing, um, international acts. And so now that makes sense because that is a way for people to access it maybe without using their data. So kudos. They have, yeah. They have an entire department dedicated to the content. Yeah. So it's Definitely. A, absolutely. It's that. Um, it was one other album we said we were going to talk about. It. Was that it? Oh, was they got it. Yeah, they have an office in Nigeria. That's what it is. So. That was the three that we were going to talk about. So, yeah. Um, did you listen to anything else? Was there anything else worth listening to? Uh, I'm pretty sure there was. Let me see. I did listen to. Uh, no, I listened to. Um, nope, that was pretty much it. Yep, that's what I got. It. I got a lot of catching up to do on music, honestly. Uh, I really haven't. I was going to ask you if you listen to the Goody Mob album. I did not listen to the whole thing. I did hear some of it at the prod, at um, the listening. They had a listening event last week. Okay. Um, and one of the tracks was actually produced by um, CeeLo's son, co-produced by CeeLo's son. So Organized Noise did everything on the project except for that one song that was co-produced by CeeLo's son. Um, and I actually, um, glad you brought that up because we do have a soundbite from, uh, I talked to Rico Wade and I asked him very specifically because you know, uh, Soul Food turned 25 last month, this month also. And so I talked to him about, you know, what the difference was between uh, recording the previous project and, or recording their first project and recording the project with these guys now. So. Um, this is what he had to say. The podcast is a production, it's a producer podcast. Okay. So I want to talk, I want you to talk to me about the difference in bringing this project together with these guys now versus, if you can remember, which I know you can because you don't forget nothing, yeah. but versus what it was like, you know, on the first go around. Well, well, this, this particular time, it was more about um, Soul Food album. We originally sold for 25 years ago. We purposely was trying to um, separate separate outcasts from Goody Moms where people didn't just see us it's like we was going to make it a, a sleepies hooks and that kind of stuff so we purposely wanted to bring that soul from CeeLo out mixed in with the guys talking about different stuff from the street this album because of CeeLo's success with Nars Barkley it was very important that some of that was a part of this without it sounding like separate from this that was very important so that's why Me Time Off Road just getting a chance to get because when the Goody Mob got kind of got stuck in a box because of the world picked and it's just activists or just but but it's ironic with what's going on now people want some activists and we wanted to make sure that we incorporated some of that success CeeLo was having with the Goody Mob right that makes sense um what's CeeLo's son name again CeeLo's son Kingston 
Kingston. Kingston. Um, so I heard that he produced one of the joints. He did. And this album in particular, we was gonna do the whole album, but Kingston, he a soldier. Matter of fact, we was play, we was talking to CeeLo about signing him, just bringing him up under us because he's just a student of the game. He's very very talented. He's from this generation to where he young, he can do it on the Fruity Loops and do it on different read. Do he do it in different software, but um. He's also patient and just and listens and, and just and just ready. He, he's very very talented. He got a toolbox that he can dig into whatever you're asking for. He actually might have added some sounds to some other songs he did. But off road was something that he, and he he came with more than that. He really came with more than that. We just didn't use everything because we wanted it to be an organized noise and Goody Mob album, but we couldn't deny them. We couldn't deny. It. I was like I was like shit me. That's a blessing that they could, that record right there and his dead and Cito singing that hook off road to me. It was like, not to say it was like some Lil Nas X, but to me what Lil Nas X did with that country kind of vibe mm -hmm. over, over, the, over a ghetto or over hip hop, I felt like that's kind of what the vibe of that is. Um, what do you think is going to surprise people most about this project? Probably, probably the fact that, like, like the dude just told me outside, that we actually got a couple of records that sound current, that sound like bangers, like Curry Goat, Me Time. Just having some hit records. At the end of the day, you, you're going to expect the front lines and the, you, uh, are you ready, are you ready, and um, so all, all the black house, all the stuff that, that, you know what I'm saying, that's what we've been known for. I don't think Goody Mob was known for stuff a little bit lighter, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, like more entertaining. Right. I feel like we kind of made it a little more entertaining because we, we ain't thinking about that. Like I said, we purposely tried to make them not seem as entertaining as Outkast because we wanted to look like it was like a copy of the same group. And that's a four-man Outkast. We wanted to show some, di some diversity. So the cell therapy, we took a, we, we, we took a, there was no music in there. Doom, 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 just mm -hmm. playing the piano. So, right. so we took a stand and it, and it worked, but it also, they didn't sell as much as Outkast. Outkast ended up selling 10 million copies. Right. You know what I'm saying? But CeeLo went on to sell some serious records like that. But we wanted to bring that to the uh, Goody Mob. And we wanted to do it, because um, we could have we did it on a major company. We wanted to do it independently because we really wanted to rebrand ourselves in the social media world and the whole, because that's the best that, that's thing about what these kids are doing, is right. being able to be self-contained. Self yes, absolutely. But yeah, so I did hear some of that. Um, and I think you guys should go check it out. Uh, it's definitely not going to sound like what you guys think it's going to sound like. I think it's a good it's a good mix of different uh sounds on there. Speaking of speaking of Pretty Ken, uh his name is Kingston, by the way. Speaking of Pretty Ken, Pretty Ken had made a comment a couple years ago and he said that CeeLo was better than Andre 3000. And a lot of people were up in arms. I think a lot of people forgot how crazy CeeLo is as a rapper. Uh, I'm just gonna say that when CeeLo first came out, I was like, wow, this fucking dude is absolutely bananas. And then you know, he went the pop route and uh you know, and that's why people don't. It's because I think a lot of people don't give him his his proper respect because he went the pop route and because you know they've seen him in Niles as Niles Niles Barkley as one half of Niles Barkley in a wedding gown. Yep. So. Absolutely. Well, I mean Andre two thousand. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's an interesting discussion, but I just feel you know because Andre gave us um, you know a, a couple outcast projects um, from the rap perspective. You know, we didn't get as much from uh, from from CeeLo. But if you go back and listen to their first two albums, CeeLo is an absolute monster uh, with the pen. So. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. This week, what we got to look forward to on Friday. All right. So we got... Um, 
A French Montana project? Yep, we got uh, Cold Boys 5, CB5. Um, we got... We really only have one, guys. Honestly and truthfully, Megan Thee Stallion's Megan. album, uh, Good News, comes out on Friday. <laughs> we got Megan. Thank you guys for joining us. God bless you. Good night. No, I'm just playing. We got St. John uh, with While the World Was Burning. Definitely going to be tapped in for that. Uh, Rich the Kid and Young Boy Never Broke Again, dropping Nobody Safe, which I think was originally supposed to drop last week. It didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, look out for a bunch of Christmas albums. So, okay. you know. So, so May. And the shit we missed last week. Right. <laughs> so disrespectful. Anyway, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us for episode 45. Hopefully by the time we come back with episode 46, we will have officially moved on to a 46th president because, God damn it, Montana man, let it go. Wrap it up, B. And hopefully we'll be on Clubhouse doing this. Sure, because you know, I know somebody in my I know one of y'all got an old iPhone, it's just sitting at your house collecting dust, bro. Because I got like seven old Androids sitting here. So I know somebody got an old iPhone they didn't trade in. How about your girl, bro? Um, as always, he is at scissor215 on all social media platforms. And she is at Saint Boogie on everything. And we are at Chop Block Pod on Instagram, the Chop Block Pod on Twitter and Switch and Facebook. We love you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.